Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andrew. And thank you, Kathy and choir. And uh, it's good to have Becky Hofner-Camp playing for us today in David's absence. We appreciate her sharing her gifts with us. So many of us, it seems... Or maybe not now, maybe in days past, or maybe right now, we've become so busy that we often lose sight of who God is, and then we lose sight of who we are and of what matters the most in life. We speak and act some days as if we have no choice but to enter what used to be called, I don't hear the expression much anymore, do you still hear the, the rat race? Uh, that we used to talk about being in the rat race. And I think a lot of folks still feel caught up in the rat race. And maybe many of you do. Even retired folks can get caught up in the rat race. And I remember somebody saying to me one day, well, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Uh, but we're not rats here today. We are We are God's children. Our cars and our trucks and our vans and our SUVs sometimes become taxis or Ubers or Lyft rides and we talk about meeting ourselves in the road but if we listen to ourselves and listen to each other carefully sometimes our complaining can sound a little bit like bragging. People want to brag about how busy they are and what they've been up to and how how full their lives are and how they don't have time for anything and we don't we often yield to the temptation to wear our stressed out busyness on our on our sleeve or like a gold badge or a red ribbon? Have we ever caught ourselves saying to a, a friend or an acquaintance or someone, I bet my life is just so much busier than yours. Let's compare calendars. I, I bet there's no way you've got as much to do as I do. I bet I put more car, more miles on my car in a week than you do in a year. So we scurry, 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 and what is the first, what is the prize for finishing first place in the rat race anyway? Maybe heart issues or strokes or addictive disorders, accidents caused by folks who are distressed and distracted, lost tempers, fractured homes. Can anyone begin to calculate the toll that busyness sometimes takes on our life? I found this poem by a guy named Herbert Parker, it's an older poem, not real old. It was published in 1979, so it's not old, old. But anyway, he wrote, To get his good night kiss, he stood beside my chair one night and raised an eager face to me, a face with love alight. And as I gathered in my arms the son God gave to me, I thanked the lad for being good and hoped he'd always be. His little arms crept round my neck, and then I heard him say, for simple words I cannot forget, for words that made me pray. They turned a mirror on my soul, on secrets no one knew. They startled me, I hear them yet. He said, I'll be like you. 
And I started hearing that song in my head again, Harry Chapin's song, Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon, Little Boy Blue is a Man in the Moon, and how quickly things go by. How we get caught up in our busyness. And do we want our children, our grandchildren, others to imitate the busyness that marked or marks our life in, in so many ways? Is That's what's best for folks. Do we ever take a long enough break from the places we go and the things we do, from reciting our accomplishments to honestly confronting the things in our life that we're missing out on because we just get so so caught up in it all and things can't wait and they've got to be done right now. Would you look at me askance and question the amount of sanity that I have left if I was to suggest that there is a one-word solution to this whole problem of being stressed out and our calendars maxed out, overextended busyness, and the word is Sabbath. And I want us to look back at that word for a little bit and explore that word for a few minutes. What does it mean and how can it make a difference? This whole concept of Sabbath, the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Paul Echol would remind us that seven days, the seven day week seems to be to us so standard that there's nothing unusual about it. We just accept it. That's the way life is. That's the way life is broken down into pieces and into segments that we can comprehend. The idea of ending your work week with a day off, he said, seems equivalent to a human right. Remember the Sabbath day. Labor strikes have been conducted on lesser grounds. We've got to have that time off. We live for the weekend. We write songs about living for the weekend. We use the expression, thank God it's Friday. We want to move toward the weekend. We expect that. We're entitled to that. Sometimes we forget that the Hebrews, he writes, were looked on as a very strange lot. Other peoples in the Mideast, other folk in that day and time, didn't have this concept of a Sabbath day, a a day off, a day of, of rest. It was something unique to the Hebrew folks. Certainly among other nations, there were days when they worshipped different gods, when there were omens that came about that would cause them to take a day off or time off or festivals, occasionally festivals, market days when normal work was suspended. And of course, there were the cultic worship services determined often by the phases of the moon. But nobody else in the ancient world that we know of, except the Hebrew folks, had this concept of Sabbath, this obligatory day of rest. Now trying to trace this day back, this work rest cycle back to something naturally rhythmical like lunar periods or seasonal alterations or weather patterns proved unsuccessful. There are no other known examples of a seven-day cycle culminating in a day of rest which controlled the activity of an entire group of people, an entire nation in that day. So we have to depend on the Old Testament to explain to us a little bit about the origin of the Sabbath. Where did this day, where did this concept come from? There are two places where that is done, and that's in the two listings of the Ten Commandments. Remember, they're in two different places. But strange as it may seem, the reasons for the Sabbath given there are different in each one. 
The first from Exodus that was read earlier ties the Sabbath to creation. It reports that God worked six days and rested on the Sabbath. It was the Sabbath, not the creation of humankind, that was believed to be the high point of creation. Therefore, God's people following their creator also worked six days a week and then would rest on the seventh. And the other place where the fourth commandment is listed, it's in Deuteronomy chapter five. And you might want to read through that sometimes and compare those two lists, how they're alike and how they're different. The Sabbath is related to deliverance. The people of Israel had been slaves in Egypt. They remember that time. God rescued them in the Exodus event from Egypt and therefore provided a time of rest. It was a time to, to take a deep breath. The appropriate time to worship God. Now that being the case, it is as appropriate for the Christian to call Sunday the Sabbath as it was for the Jew to call Saturday the Sabbath. Sabbath describes what a day is more than it describes when a day is. The Sabbath, of course, in Jewish tradition from sundown Friday till sundown on Saturday. There is evidence that the earliest Christians celebrated both days. The Jewish Sabbath on the seventh day of the week and the Christian Sabbath on the first day of the week. As Christianity became identified less as a sect of Judaism and more as an independent religion, then Christians emphasize that first day of the week, a day of worship. A day to be observed because the first day of the week is the day that Jesus the Christ rose from the dead. And that became a little Easter. And every Sunday was observed as a little Easter. And that's still a part of our tradition. We don't speak that a lot. We don't say it a lot. We talk about Easter day and sanctuary is full and voices raised high. But every time we gather in God's house, in God's name, in God's presence, it should be a little Easter. Time to remember the victory of Jesus over sin and death. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This is the fourth commandment. It authorizes both labor and rest from labor. No other commandment in the Old Testament apart from the first has had such a significant development on the on civilization, on contemporary social life and thought. Slaves back in the day as well as masters and the work animals and every living thing to be given due rest from time of toil. God rested on the seventh day and on completion of the day, the works of creation. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath is never surrounded by so many strict rules for its observance. The fundamental commandment It's quite simply that one day is to be a day of rest. Now, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. But by the time of the New Testament era, with the Pharisees and other religious leaders coming along, they began to heap layer after layer after layer of tradition on top of this commandment. And they got very nitpicky about all the things that folk could do and could not do on the Sabbath day. And during the Holy Land visit that I talked about a few weeks ago in 1994, there are a couple of things that that stand out. Our group was staying in Jerusalem in a hotel over the Sabbath. 
And on the Sabbath day, there are a couple of things that stood out. I thought, oh, goodness, that, that really is pushing this thing. But one of them was the elevator, the Shabbat, the Sabbath elevator, stopped on every floor in the hotel so you wouldn't have to push the button because pushing the button was considered to be work. And that seemed just a little over the edge to me. And then some of the financial transactions that take place in a hotel lobby happened on the Sabbath day. They just pulled out a screen, a partition, and it happened behind the screen instead of out in the open. And I thought, oh, my. And then I started thinking about this country and our traditions and how picky some folk have been about this Sabbath tradition across the years. We don't have the fold-out screen, so to speak. We don't have the elevators like that. But I thought about it, and, and I remember a guy, and you've heard these stories. Maybe you've told me these stories. I've heard them more than once. We like to talk folks in the baby boomer generation and older anyway. We like to talk about growing up and what we could and could not do on the Sabbath day, on Sunday. And one story about a, about a boy whose dad just really chewed him out raked him over the coals because he and his friend dared to stand in the front yard and throw a baseball back and forth to each other. That was just a real violation of the Sabbath. And some of you know those stories. And we sort of moved from that, what seemed overly nitpicky, to a place where for so many, Sunday's just another day. And we've seen that evolution. We've seen it happen. I remember one of my first jobs while I was going through school. My last year in high school and through college and first year of seminary, worked in a grocery store, and we were always closed on Sunday. And then we started to open on Sunday. But we were open from 1 to 6, just for the afternoon. You could still go to church in the morning. You could go to youth group in the evening and all those things. And in all honesty, I must admit, I did work those Sunday hours. For two reasons. Number one, it was about half as busy as it was any other time of the week. And number two, we were paid twice as much on Sunday as we were on the other day. So twice as much money, half the work, it just seemed okay. But it was that time when you could still do church things in the morning and in the evening, and then all that went away too. And and Sunday in so many ways has become another day. Most of you, most everyone in this part of the world and in other parts of the world has heard of Mr. Truett Cathy, who died a few years ago, founder and chairman of Chick-fil-A. In his autobiography, and he wrote a few books, and one of his earlier books is autobiography, Easier to Succeed Than to Fail. And the fifth chapter of that book is titled, Observing the Fourth Commandment. And he began by saying that when he and his brother Ben went into business in 1946, they made the decision to be closed on Sunday. And let me share a few more of his thoughts with you. Most of you know this already. Many of you probably knew Mr. Kathy well. He said, closing on Sunday has become a distinctive principle of my Christian background. From my infancy, my Sunday school teachers and pastors stress that Sunday is the Lord's day. I see another reason. God commanded six days you shall labor and do all your work. God told the Israelites to work only six days so that the seventh day could be used for a day of rest. Do all your work 
and then take a day of rest. God blessed the Sabbath day, sanctified it, and set it aside, he said. The book of Genesis describes the Sabbath day as a very specific, a very special day. While I was growing up, he wrote, Sunday was an important day for family times together. Often mom and dad would take us on trips to visit kinfolks. I believe God gave his laws not to make life harder, but to make life better. Our bodies, our minds need time off to recharge. He said, I've accepted that as a principle and honored God by doing it. God has honored us, he said, and the business because of it. And then Truett Cathy says that others are always pointing out to him the money that he was losing by not being open on Sunday. And this book, his autobiography, written in the day when a lot of his stores were still in shopping malls, when the malls weren't sort of going away like they are now. And he said, they said, look at all the money you're missing out on. And he said, we make more money in six days than these other restaurants in this mall make in seven days. So why should we not take a day? where our associates can rest and be able to attend worship if that's their choice. Why shouldn't that happen? And then I thought this was an interesting admission on his part. He said that he and his wife would often eat out on Sundays. (laughs) And he acknowledged He acknowledged the criticism that he received for for that action and willingly admits that his witness may have been weakened among some people because of it. And then the fifth chapter of the book, he concludes with, with this thought. He said, never have I intended to make a big issue out of being closed on Sunday. It amazes me that other people bring that up so often. Just let me mention Chick-fil-A or anybody mention it, and that's one of the first things anybody says. Well, you know, they're, they're closed on Sunday. He said, on the first day of the week, the early disciples gathered to commemorate the rising of God from the dead, of Jesus the Christ. What better reason can we have for doing the same? This is the formula God has given us for success. In this case, he said, it's definitely easier than to work seven days and miss the blessing. He's an example of one who has been influenced by the spirit of the law And not so much the letter of the law. The letter of the law probably would not have allowed Truett Cathy and his wife to eat out on Sunday. But he honored the spirit of the law. And I believe that we all have to struggle with this sometimes with our own convictions when we stop and think about our own priorities. If we honestly feel like that we must work on Sunday, then finding Sabbath time... And remember, Sabbath, not so much a particular day, but as a concept, Sabbath time, time for rest and time to recharge is is just so terribly important. You've heard the expression, the New Testament expression, folks still use it. Well, I had to do something about that on Sunday. You know, the ox was in the ditch. And if the ox is in the ditch, I suppose you have to have to get it out. There are some things that have to be done or that need to be done on Sunday. And I believe there are a couple of things we can look at in regard to this that are important. Number one, being in worship with God's people is important. Remembering Jesus went to Sabbath, went to church or to synagogue on the Sabbath as his custom was. But at the same time, we need always to remember And I believe Jesus was clear about this in the New Testament, that caring for human needs, helping folks who are hurting, 
is more important than observing rituals and rules and laws and liturgies. What comes first is crying human need. Now, I know we've covered a lot of ground today, and we haven't had time to stop and stay on any of that ground for for very long. So let me attempt a summary of the meaning of this fourth commandment. We need to be recreated physically. Batteries run down. Some batteries have to be replaced, but others can be recharged. We need to be recharged physically, and we need to be recreated spiritually. We need that time. Some years ago, the story goes, there are a group of explorers who went to Africa and they employed some local guides. Every day for six days was hectic. But they noticed that on the seventh day, the the rules had changed a little bit. The pattern had changed a little bit. Things weren't happening like they expected. And they noticed on the seventh day, the guides were all sitting under a tree in the shade, just kind of chilling out and relaxing a little bit. And they said, come on, come on, we've got to get going. And one of the guides replied, we no go today. We rest today, so let our souls catch up with our bodies. Have we lost sight of who God is and of who we are and sometimes what matters most in this life? Another story about the Old West, they had deep mines for the mining of coal and other precious ores. They used small donkeys to pull the carts deep in the earth, and it soon became apparent to them that the donkeys had to come out of the mine periodically and spend some time in the sunlight or else they would lose their sight. And they would, they would go blind in the darkness of the mind. One day in the light gave them back their sight. And that's what Sabbath can do for us. It can cause us or help us to regain sight of who God is and who we are and why we're here, and what matters the most. And if we see it in that light, then the fourth commandment becomes not a burden, not an obligation, but an act of God's mercy. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Amen.